Welcome back to the next episode of the Stock Market Options Trading Podcast, where I finish my discussion with David Sun. If you haven't listened to episode 20, the last episode, I highly recommend going back and listening to that one too. After listening to this one, no need to do that in order, but you definitely want to check that one out too. So much great insight in both episodes with him. Make sure you listen to the whole thing too, because you don't want to miss out on some of these topics, especially in this episode. David and I are going to get into what put spread or put selling really is, it's not really a bullish strategy as he puts it. We're gonna be talking about managing risk of high probability trades, using stop loss orders, and where on the options chain we like to sell at. I will also talk a little bit about bull and bear markets and if that's going to adjust the strategies that we do. So two things before we get started though. First, David and I are not financial advisors. Nothing on this podcast should be considered financial advice. Everything in this episode and on this entire podcast is for informational purposes only. We are simply sharing how we trade our personal accounts and our experience with that. And that's all we're really doing with this episode. Number two, if you're enjoying these discussions and if this podcast has helped you in any way, maybe understand something better or try something new, I would like to ask a small favor. Could you take 27 seconds and leave a five-star review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever player you use for to listen? Leaving a review would really help the show uh, in the podcast algorithm world and would let me know that you're getting value out of the show and that I should keep doing it. I would really appreciate the support. So that's it. Now let's get into the rest of my discussion with David. Here we go. I now trade primarily puts, you know, I have, I have a, a number of different income strategies that I run and only mm -hmm. one of them uses calls though. The majority of them are put side only. And you hear these comments about, well, you know, of course you're making money. It's a bull market and you know, mm -hmm. puts only win in the bull market and this and that. And, and yes, puts are by definition, they win with a up move in the market, right? They lose when the market moves down. But mm -hmm. what I want to say is, with the proper risk management, I don't see selling puts as a bullish strategy necessarily. Puts, naked puts or put spreads, they're just a vehicle for capturing time decay, right? Mm -hmm. I'm using them, I'm selling premium and I have risk management. Of course, I'm, I'm going to take a loss when I need to or whatever, but it's just a vehicle. It's just a mechanic for trying to capture some of this data and some of the time decay. They can, yes, if the market goes straight up vertically and never comes down, of course, I'll, I'll be able to make more or capture more of that, that time decay, that premium. And if the market shoots down and crashes, you know, in that moment in time, I'll probably take a loss and not capture any of it. But over time, because I'm always looking at the long-term expectancy, the put and the naked puts, the, it's just a vehicle. It's not necessarily expressing an opinion or a thesis on where the market's going to go. Right. So that's sort of the key mindset shift for me that I've made. I sell puts not because I'm bullish. I sell puts because I want to capture premium. Right. And there's more premium on the put side. For the same exactly. delta. It, yes. Uh, yeah. that's right. But I mean, yes, there's also more risk. I mean, there's, a, there's, there's so many moving parts. Yeah. So, well, and, so. and it helps that the market is skewed bullish. So, right. I, you know, I still follow. Uh, oh, yeah, it definitely helps. The yes, Fed. It, I mean, you know, we yeah. would we would we would be we wouldn't be and i totally agree with everything you're saying we wouldn't be saying that though if the market hadn't been skewed bullish because the, the options would be priced differently and and things would be the things would be different yeah that it, that definitely helps i i do believe in positive drift and the long term you know mm -hmm. it just you know because you talk about bull and bear markets well 
because well, we've just been in one big bull market since the yeah. market started. Well, wrestling. you know, and I'll, and I'll, you know, it, it's funny because technically the COVID crash was a bear market. It was the sure. fastest bear market because it was yeah, a twenty percent by, by, def, by definition, right? By definition, yeah. You get into right. like what what does that mean? But but yeah. So this is a good question. Um, so I, I've I put out a video on YouTube, or maybe someone commented, and I find most of the videos that I most of the research videos that I put out either you know at my membership or or YouTube end up being put spread selling type strategies, basically right. bullish. And and the one question I get is. Does it work in reverse? So I do some th things with moving averages, like you know, if this move, if these moving averages are looking bullish, then you sell puts and right. yada yada. And um, and the answer is always no, it doesn't. It does not work in reverse. When the when the moving averages cross down or whatever, you cannot sell call spreads because okay because the markets go down faster than they go up. Okay. And if you're selling premium to the upside, you need the downside to be prolonged so that you can capture the theta. But theta right, does right. not theta. You know, in theory, you get e e equivalent um, theta decay over time, at, and then it ramps up close to expiration. Uh, but the market doesn't stay down long enough. Got it. To really capture that premium. However, on the bull side, which would um, and we you know the upside, if you will. The market stays afloat enough for you to 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 capture that premium, and I think that makes, we we that both. Makes and it's funny because we're, I think we're we're both ending up in the same place. Um, and I want to talk about where on the chain here in a minute, but um, we're we're both ending up in the same place through different experience because what I'm hearing you say is that you're you're doing more put selling than you are, yes, call, right, that's right, and yes. you you've chosen in a sense to manage the risk on the put side versus being more delta neutral, like carrying the, I don't want right. to say carry the hedge, but um, is, that, is that, is that true? Or well, I do carry a hedge, but that's okay. different because that's like a tail risk for my overall portfolio. Mm -hmm. And it almost becomes more of a downside lotto because I've decided just to budget a certain amount of capital to paying for a hedge mm -hmm. and just like you pay for car insurance or home insurance. I've just, it's just, I'm just paying for insurance and I don't mind. Yeah. And I, I don't have, and this isn't some kind of convoluted trade where I'm trying to finance it or try to take profits and try to make, I fully expect to lose on this. It's just there for peace right. of mind. So right. again, it's a, it's a mindset thing. So I have that. And that by definition is a negative Delta position, positive Vega. But right. again, that's, Gosh, that's I, I want to do a whole, I'm going to have you back. Cause I want to do a whole nother episode on just that. Because sure. I've 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 have found a couple things that help me with that. I do the same thing, um, and what that would mean versus selling naked versus selling a, a a wider spread. Because ultimately, when you when you spread it off, you're essentially hedging your downside, reducing your capital. I don't want to get caught up on that because that's a right. whole other deep topic, deep um, uh, topic. But um, I would love you know for you to come back and. I, I plan on having you back. Are you going to come back more? Because I know, oh, you know we only sure. have so much time today, but um, yeah, but I, we we do have more time. But I, I want to get um, I want to talk a little bit about and this kind of you know bridges the gap from Tasty Trade a little bit. I find myself selling closer to the money these days from my own personal research and and how I manage my risk. Um, I found it easier. There's more meat on the bone, if you will. And I kind of look at it like this, like 
like you have a leg, right? A human leg. This is probably the most ridiculous analogy, (laughs) but Delta 50 is the top of the the femur, right? The the top of the thigh, right? The, the farther you go down the leg and I'm going to, I'm going to tell I'm going to say that the knee is Delta 30. And we've talked about this before. To me, there's some kind of something with Delta 30 that I haven't figured out. There's a magical mystery there. Um, the Delta 30 tends to be a very good spot for certain things, but then a lot of people go farther down the leg where there's less meat and they're selling Delta 20, Delta 10, and you got the ankle biters at Delta five and 10. I'm an ankle biter. Are you an ankle biter? Yeah, I'm an ankle biter. <laughs> I didn't, I hope that's not offensive to any <laughs> any degree, but um, but but you know what I'm saying? There it's, yes. it's a higher probability, um, but uh and and more, you know, there's a consistency there, but the risk is greater. So that's what I wanted to get to. So you're hanging out more at the out the 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 and are you basing this off standard deviation or why do you hang not, out not at, not even that i'll, I'll okay. get into kind of how my systems work but can, can you give delta, me a delta what delta do you what, um what delta what, are you hanging what, out one, at? one system i trade is between 10 and 20 another system i trade is five and below okay so i have different regimes depending on the, the different time duration and everything sure. but about that there is a lot of moving parts in terms of the interrelationship between the Greeks, the Vega, the Theta, the Delta, the Gamma, and why, like you said, why certain things work better with different kind of mechanics, right? 50 Delta, you get that maximum extrinsic, that that shot of pure premium when you go in. 30 Delta has this kind of trade-off between the probability and the premium, and there's a reason why Tasty Trade, for example, gravitates towards that, but it requires a different kind of mechanic. Um, The reason why I hang out lower is because I've chosen to do extremely simple systems, extremely low maintenance. I use what everyone loves to hate on. I use hard stops. I cut off my trades automatically at a certain stop level. But here's the thing. Your expectancy, which is your kind of net profit or how much capture, premium you can capture, it's based on three things. Your win rate, of course, which people love to focus on. Mm-hmm. The amount of your winners, which people love to focus on. <laughs> yep. And the amount of your losers, which people yep. just never focus on, right? So a lot of the big mistake I see a lot of people making is they focus on the win rate and the winners. They don't focus on the losers and that's going to drop your expectancy. Yep. But what I do, for example, is I fix the win and loss size and only the win rate will determine my expectancy. So one system I do, example, I do a 2x stop loss. If I sell it for a dollar, I close it if the premium hits $3 for a net loss of $2. So it's risk mm-hmm. two to make one. So of those three variables, I have fixed two of them, the win size and the loss size. Now, not accounting for slippage <laughs> and commissions and fees, if you have a risk two to make one, your break-even win rate is exactly 66.666, whatever it is. You, mm-hmm. you just have to win two out of three trades to break even okay right that means if you win more than that you'll make money right, right. i don't care how much it's going to be positive right and through my back testing and through just com- empirical studies in my trading using so for the one system do i just do a 7 dte put it's always at the same delta range okay and i put the stop loss on at 30 delta I found that the win rate was high enough, but then it basically broke even after slippage because my net loss ended up being 2.3, 2.4x because when you do a stop, you don't always get a clean fill. So I kept lowering the delta until the win rate was high enough because the thing is, 
people say like, okay, 30 delta is 70% pop or, or, or 20 delta is 80% pop, but that's only at expiration. And again, the pop does not translate to expectancy. You can have an 80% win rate, but you'll still lose if the losses are too big. So I know, and people hate using stops because they say stops lower your win rate. Well, again, they do. I'm fine with that. They yep, do. Exactly. Right? But if it lowers my win rate, but yet my win rate is still above that magic number that I've designated by virtue of setting my win and loss ratio, mm -hmm. I will make money. <clears throat> so I just lower the delta enough until my realized win rate, even with the stop, was above that magic number. Now, with the risk to make one, if you have about a 75% win rate, you'll basically capture and make sure I'm doing the math right. Because And also, I don't take a profit target. I've run it through expiration. So I'm capturing 100% on a full winner. So mm -hmm. with risk to make one, yeah, I, I think you basically capture about 25% um, of the premium. So if I have a 75% win rate, risk to make one for every dollar of premium I sell, I will capture 25 cents. So I know if I'm, I don't know, but I have an expectation. If I sell a thousand dollars of premium every week, I'm going to make about $250 net net after factoring losses a week. And all of my systems are just kind of based on this expectancy. And that's why I've chosen to do it this way. Mm -hmm. So it, it, I kind of fell into it based on the way I wanted to set up my system and the way I wanted to trade and the amount of time I didn't want to spend having to watch the screen, having to adjust, having to do, do whatever. I put a trade on, I set a stop, I walk away, I'm done, right? right. And my order page oh, is full yeah. of just stop orders. Yeah. Oh my God. So there's there's so many things I want to unpack there with, with you. Um, let me start with, because um, I'm doing the exact same thing, just at a different part of the scale. It's, right. it's almost the exact, we're, we're you're doing the exact same thing I'm doing, except my math is different, right? Sure, sure. Um, and so one question, one fear, I guess, that I have, and it partially this has to do with my, and we've talked about this, my inability to backtest intraday stops, right? So if yes. you're selling DTE, my fear is that, yes, if I put a 200% stop on the max gain, that if I experience a gap down the next day that, the premium's going to temporarily spike. Right. I'm going to get stopped out, but I'll never, but, but it, the, the, the volatility might be enough to stop me out as opposed to actual price. Right. And therefore, um, I don't do that because I don't have the ability to backtest that to right, really right. know. And that leads me to the next thing where you said and you corrected yourself. But I think it's, I think it's telling because I'm the same way where you started to say, um, well, I know that if this happens and you said, right. well, I, and he said, well, I don't know, but I expect that right. what, what that is. And that's what everybody needs is they need the confidence, right? Conviction. You, you need that's the conviction. So you have the conviction enough to use the words that I know. Right. Right. As opposed to, well, it should, right. Should's a bad word. Um, but Technically, it should right over time. It, it's right, right over time. You know, but the trade you're putting on right now, you have no idea, right? There's a right. macro, right. right? There's a macro conviction, and then there's micro execution, which it yes. sounds like what you're doing, right? And the other aspect that um, I think is important is I, I call it the crockpot, right? You're going to set it and forget it, yes. right? Absolutely. Everything you've done for your trading for, and we're just going to stick with that that seven DTE um, put selling, 
all decisions are made upon entry and then you're done. Yes. And so you, what you're doing is you're avoiding any headlines that pop up on your phone, any, um, I don't know if you're on Twitter, Twitter's the worst, but I'm on there. Um, I'm avoiding, you know, there's a lot of information we get and I've, you know, sometimes it affects, you know, the election and, and the, you know, all the things, the capital riots and all these things. And, and because I'm trading the, the index, I'm in tune with the fed and, right, right. and geopolitical well, Washington stuff. I, I am too, but it doesn't change anything. I'm not going to go change my right. order. Right. I, I right. still, and that's maybe I shouldn't because all of this has caused me undue stress sometimes. I, I know. Yeah. Oh, I'm, and I'm most of the time it's not, it's, it's not helpful. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. But, but I, I, I totally am buying into what you're saying about um, having the conviction through, um, through back, through back testing. I know we've talked about back testing and I'm going to do an, another episode yeah, um, about getting, getting intraday right. back testing. Maybe right. we're going to maybe try to work together and share info and data. Cause it seems like end of day back testing is only, um, e- is more easily available, although it's not cheap, but, um, but yeah, no, I think that's, that's, that's interesting that you're, and I'm trying to get to that too, um, where I'm trying not to make any decisions after I'm on the trade and I'm only forward looking and, right. um, but yeah, if you can set your stops and all that stuff. So do you, do you, do you see that some, now I'm just curious, do you see that sometimes where if you're, you know, Tasty trade actually wants you to avoid this, the short term part, they want you out of the trade before two or three weeks before expiration, because there's more gamma risk, right? Like yes, right. if that's, if that volatility spikes on a, you know, jobs report or whatever it is, right. Right. Um, do you, is that stop loss? usually big enough to absorb a little bit of that? Or do you find any, any kind of like big gap downs that you get stopped out that same day? Or how does that work? So th- th- There's a trade-off. Um, and I have systems in different parts of, you talk about the Delta curve. I'm in different parts of the time curve as well. 45 day, seven yeah. day to the three day. Yeah. Naturally, as you get closer to expiration, the Vega, the extrinsic risk goes down, right? You're taking on the gamma risk, of course. So it depends on, is there... so. When you're close to expiration, the spikes in volatility don't hit you as much. But if there's an actual mm. gap, and one thing I need to say, because people are like, well, how do you not, how do you always get out at 2x? I don't. There are gap losses. I've been gapped out at 4x, at 5x. And yes. It happens. But mm-hmm. again, I budget for it because I told you that magical win rate of 66% is break even, but that doesn't account for gaps. So, yes, empirically, I need to have a 80% maybe 85% to have that kind of healthy expectancy. But that was why I backed into this Delta range. It just, I kept backing out until I found that sweet spot where even with the gaps, even with this and that, it was still running at the expectancy that I was, was hoping for. Right. Okay. Personal question. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's say the math (laughs) is more theoretical. You, you know, the math where you said, you know, you, you need to have a 66% win rate to break even and right. you're running, let's say you're running a 75%. So you're good with that. Right. Do you think, do you think the win, like, do you need the win rate for your own personal, um, uh, what do you call it? Just satisfaction. Yes. Right. So, so for example, yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> okay. So, so yes. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. So I'm the, I'm the same way. Like, Cause I know like, you know, I read these books, um, market wizards and all these things. And, and then they talk about how some of these, and then this really doesn't maybe apply to what, you know, some of the stuff we do, but, um, the idea that, um, and, and this is my, my, my hedging strategy and yours is probably the same. 
is um, the win rate is close in the 30 percent, right? Like my or even win rate, lower because mine's a tail risk, so I'm never going right. to take it off. Except yeah, my, a decade, right? So right, it might be right. like one percent, right? Fractionable percent. But I know that over time, that I'll lose. You know, it's. I think when I did the, I did a recent five year study. I, I updated every every few years, or every year, and um, and the win rate for for me buying um, you know, invert uh, volatility ETFs like VXX sure. and those things, right? You know, you're in the thirty percent, right? However, every now and then you get the one that's the winner that's so big, yeah, yeah. that that's when ten thousand percent. Yeah, you get you know you you get this winner that's so big, and if you're carrying a lot of positive delta via puts, uh, you know, I do a lot of spreads, but right, um, that can offset that, and then, but over like let's say six months, I may just this just may be a losing trade for me, right. um, and so so we're okay with a losing strategy as a hedge. But from our bread and butter, we want we want it to be winning, yes. right? right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Because yeah, um, that makes sense. Uh, uh, because I have different strategies of, along the delta curve and the time curve. I have one strategy that I really need about a ninety percent win rate to to be profitable, and then one that's like eighty and seventy and so forth. And mm -hmm. I have one strategy that's actually a a reverse risk reward ratio. the re The reward is higher than the risk. It's it's approximately risk one and make two, um, but that actually makes the the winning win rate lower you can have a 33 percent win rate um mm -hmm. and and again after slippage and everything this is actually what i call it kind of a low win rate strategy and and there's no way to really know the true win rate because again i'm using a stop but we figure it's going to be in the 50 to 55 range and it's actually one of my better strategies but i hate it because when you talk about 50 percent win rate you're basically losing every other trade right and i i have this thing where i graph my net pnl aggregated with my individual trade PLs. And you can see the aggregate one is a nice, steady, slow climb, but the individual one is like one up, one down, one up, one down. And like, right. yes, when you back out and look at a year, oh, I made a bunch of money or whatever. But in the day, mm -hmm. every single time I'm like, oh my God, it's another <laughs> loss. It feels like you're losing all the time. Yeah. And that's, psychologically, that makes it really challenging. But that is, in fact, one of my better strategies from like a consistency and net PL. That's so that's the interesting aspect. Even though I know. And the thing is, like, I don't know long term. Like, I know the math is good, but I don't know is that next trade going to be a winner, or am I even going to have like right. ten losers in a row? Because the win rate is actually very, very low. So psychologically, it's it's challenging, and like, I'm like, every, yeah. every day it, it hurts. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 and and it's hard because you know, especially if you're doing short term, like, if you've had three losers in a row. You still got to put the next one on, yes. You know, yes. because right. if, if you don't, you break in it. And then, um, right. if exactly. you if you, I, I'm I'm trying to um, I'm trying to get better this year about understanding all my strategies as they work together. Because um, for what you're saying, like overall, you want the your your account to go up, but the individual things in between, maybe you know, uh, some you might have losers and winners, but ultimately you're 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 not having a, a big drawdown. Um, right. So we're coming up on the hour. I want to ask you one more question and then sure. we're going to have to set this up again and do another episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask, you know, back to kind of big market thesis. Um, I get a lot of questions from, uh, you know, people want to know, well, did these strategies work in the 08 crisis? You know, so I know 
you know, we're doing very similar things. We're, we're, we're selling a lot of premium um, underneath the market. Um, and do you primarily, are you trimar- primarily trading SPY, SPX, are you mostly index stuff or, or? At the moment, I'm exclusively trading SPY and SPX. Yeah, that's, that's where I end up too. I, I, I do some stock buying um, in my, you know, different system, but from options wise, it's mainly SPX. Right. Um, so one of the things that I try to have tried to factor in is, is, and it doesn't help actually in the least the last five, 10 years is um, only trading when the market's above like some, some sort of bull market filter, if you will. Right. And the, the basic one is like the 200 day moving average. But my concern for some of the, for what we're doing is the next bull bear market that's actually prolonged in any sense. Um, I feel like there, there's, we're going to have to come up with something else because you might get the one, the one hedge, the hedge risk uh, that that saves you from the the big crash. But like, for example, like uh, COVID had had COVID crash, and maybe it went took another leg lower, and didn't and just stayed down there. I mean, once it stops moving and you're selling under, it's fine. But but do you have any thoughts about that? Like like what are you going to do, or do you think it's going to be different if you end up with more of a prolonged bear market as opposed to these buy the dip things we've been in? So. Obviously, I don't know if it will be different. Right. But again, because of the way my systems are designed with hard stops, I'll be out of there before, you know, sure, I'll take maybe three or four losses on the way down, get stopped out, stopped out. But at some point, it's either going to turn around or stop or slow down and the probability start working. Because if we keep going down, volatility goes up, volatility goes up, I can get even lower delta, even further from the money. True. So I, it, it, there's a reflexive nature to that because you know, I, I do believe everything is priced and everything's priced perfectly. Now, if, if you're using a system like mine, I think that's the benefit. It's almost like a self-regulating in that sense. Because mm-hmm. when I get stopped out and I put on another trade, that's actually kind of like a role, right? Guess what a role is? Closing one out and putting on another one. So you can right. almost say like my system is just naturally adjusting my delta. Mm-hmm. The thing is, again, if you're doing kind of a tasty trade style where you're holding on to positions and going to inventory that large loser, that's okay too, as long as that individual position is small enough that you're taking this big pers- you know, multiplier, you know, 5x, 6x, whatever it is on that position, but it's not a large proportion of portfolio. And that comes out again, just to be well kept. If you're well capitalized and you have a lot of dry powder, if you're keeping the BPR low when volatility is low. So uh, when there's that big move, you can kind of throw more powder at it and, and take advantage of it. But that's completely different. You have to have really good bankroll management mm-hmm. and a big bankroll to begin with. So depending on your trading style and your approach, that's going to translate to a different management and outcome for those kind of events. But I believe the way I've built my systems, it's sort of, takes care of itself because the risk management is very tight with me. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we had this prolong, I'm, I'm out of there. So I, I don't right. see like a huge drawdown, even if there's like a huge down move per se. Right. Right. Uh, good point. Good answer. Um, I hate to cut it off. We've come up to our hour. I definitely want to have you back on the show. So we're going to, we're going to set something up. It, it, where can people get in touch with you if they want to ask you questions? Um, what's the best way for people to contact you? Yeah, so um, I set up a what I call my my quote unquote trading page, but it's really just a, a Google Sheets where I have some essays I wrote, links to various strategies, and even like a little back test demo I built. Um, the link is 
thetradebusters.com. So just think of the Ghostbusters, but it's thetradebusters.com. Gotcha. Okay. I, I do plan to make an actual page sometime this year and, and move everything over, but just don't be taken aback if you go and it's like this janky, like Excel looking thing, but yeah. that, that, that's what it is. So, no. and, and the, well, it's, my, it's pure, my, my, it's, I've been there. It's pure information. I definitely think everyone should, should go check that out. Definitely read the essays. You've got yeah, a few essays there, which I think are very, it, very, my well email written. address, my email address is there as well. So you okay. Well. Yeah. And I'll link that up in the uh, description and stuff. And, and when I send this out, I'll, I'll include that. Um, but David, this was awesome. Um, I'm hoping you come, uh, you'll come back on the show. I hope you enjoyed it and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Thanks so much.